title for this week's uh, bad advice is this. Here's your bad advice for this week. It's okay you're too busy for God. He understands. That's bad advice. So I said, oh man, God gets it. Don't worry about it. You can drift. You can coast. You can slack. You can, you can fall away. God gets it. You're in a global pandemic. There's so many other things that demand your attention. Grace, grace. I've never heard somebody talk to you like that. Oh, girl, please don't put that pressure on yourself. Church and devotion and worship. Come on, bro. You don't, come on. God gets it. Grace, grace. How many of you ever heard someone talk like that? What a huge disservice that would be to you if you believed that bad advice. You know, we live in a time where there's a lot of bad advice going around. There's a lot of bad misinformation that's being called truth. Uh, how much are we grateful for the Bible that helps us realign with what is good advice and good and true? So if you found yourself slipping into this idea of, man, through all of this and through these last six months, nine months, this year, whatever it's been, like, man, I've really found myself kind of drifting or slipping from God, but it's okay. I've got all these other things that it, it, it's not okay. Are you with me? I, um, in NASCAR, they have this thing called the caution flag. And, uh, and so the racers will be racing with intensity. A hundred percent. It's pedal to the metal, right? Rubbin's racing. And so they're bumping into each other and everything's going fast and they got the pedal down all the way. But then there comes a time when they're giving it their full intensity where something in front of them begins to happen to harm them. And so the flag guy goes, hold on just a second. I got to throw a yellow. We need to check up here for a minute before we do great harm. Are you with me? Check on what I'm saying. So we're going with intensity. We have all these decisions we're making, and there's all this stuff happening a million miles an hour. And then the guy says, oh, well, I see something coming that you're going to not want to have in your life. I'm going to throw a caution and make sure that you can avoid this. As your pastor today, I'm throwing the caution in your life. I've seen some data. I've looked at the trend at where churches and Christianity is headed and where lifestyles are beginning to trend through some of this stuff. And I'm being your pastor who's throwing the yellow and I'm saying, we need to caution for just a minute. Because if we don't slow this thing down and pay great attention, we're going to run into some stuff that's going to tear us up. Are you with me? My daughter is two and she's really into magna tiles. And uh, it's these insanely overpriced pieces of plastic with magnets in them. <laughs> and uh, it's plastic with these magnets, as I said, inside them. But they're all these different shapes. And so you can build them across the floor, uh, or you could build them up as a tower, or you can build walls. There's all these different things you can do. But they don't permanently affix to each other. They're magnets. They're just kind of holding up against each other. And so she loves to get them all together, and she loves to build towers, and she loves to build castles and all these things. And so we'll be watching her, and I'll be, as the father, I'll be observing her, and I'll be going, oh, I'm, that's not going to work. She's stacking it high, and she gets this piece, and she's trying to put it on here. And as the dad, I'm like, that's not going to work. That's going to crash. If you keep going that way, it's not going to end well. Don't put that one there. Are you tracking what I'm saying, where I'm trying to go? And so I watch her and I observe her. And of course, she puts the wrong thing in the wrong place. And it all comes tumbling down. And I go like, yeah, I could see that coming. I guess I'm also standing here as your pastor today. I'm watching the way we're building things in the body of Christ. I'm watching the way we're setting lifestyles as believers and as Christians. And I'm looking at our discipleship patterns and our, our growth with God. And I'm saying, if we keep going this way, we're going to crash. 
because we believe this bad advice of grace, grace, don't worry about it. You're busy. God gets it. And we push God back and we're headed for a crash. Are you with me? And so I'm just, I'm just, again, coming in here being like, don't make excuses. So she's, no, I can put this one here. I can do it. No, 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 you can't. I don't care what kind of excuses you make. I don't know how you, I don't care how you try to justify it. It's not going to work. Have you ever been around somebody? Maybe it's your boss to another employee. Maybe it's a a parent to a sibling of yours. Uh, Maybe it's some kind of relationship that you know of. Maybe parent to kid. I don't know. But you watch them deal with another person and you think to yourself, I wish they would just stop coddling them. It's not helping them. I wish they would just tell them the truth. It would be so much better if they would just be honest with them. Why can't they just tell them the truth? It's hurting them in the wrong, long run that you're just coddling and you're not being up front. And I feel like that's where I'm at as a pastor. <laughs> Every time I write a, a, a sermon, I, 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 Lord's speaking to me and I'm, I'm hearing these things and, and I'm writing it down and I'm studying and God continue to reveal. And I just keep going like, man, Lord, like that's a little aggressive. Last week I had to be aggressive. Like, you know, when do I get the nice one? Like, though he lead us through the valley of the, like, I want one of those sermons. Give me one of those, Lord. They, like, I want my people to like me. (laughs) But the truth of it is, if we're being real, the truth of it is the best thing you could have and I could have in my life is somebody who's not going to coddle me, not going to give you the nice thing. They're going to get the full truth. And the full truth here is, yes, we're in a global pandemic. Yes, all of our plates are spinning. Yes, all of these things are happening. And God's grace is a big deal. And it is there for us, but it's not there for us to abuse. And so to drift and to distance ourselves and push ourselves away from from prioritizing God is bad advice. It's bad advice. And so I'm just here to say, uh, I believe in times like these, we need to draw near. It's interesting in our life, uh, and I'm so sick of talking about global pandemic and COVID and all this stuff, but the reality is uh, this is still where we are. And we're still balancing school and not in school and all of the different things we're balancing. And so the pressure is high in our life is what I'm trying to say. So that's why we continue to talk about how we navigate it. So I'm saying this, uh, it's interesting in our life when you walk through something serious like a global pandemic or the election and all the changes and all the stuff that we're trying to discern. It's interesting that we have no problem tightening the belt and drawing near in certain areas of our life when things like this hit. Things like this hit and we automatically run to our budget and we tighten it up and we make sure it's bulletproof and we make sure it's secure and strong and founded in the rock. We make sure it's solid, right? Our budget, we're, gonna not, we're not going to risk. And in our jobs, oh my gosh, maybe I could lose my job in this time. So, so at my job, I'm going to tighten it. I'm going to tighten the belt. I'm going to make sure nothing is going to go wrong. I won't be the one to be let go and our bank accounts, and all of these other areas. Oh, schooling. I don't know with the school. I don't know uh, how my kids are going to be educated, so I'm going to pay a little bit extra attention. I'm going to tighten the belt with the education of my school. We tighten up all of these other areas of our life. But then when it comes to walking with God through a global pandemic, we go, space, I need space, and we drift. Are you with me? I'm not saying we've all done it, but statistically, I'm going to read you here. It looks like in America, that's what we've done. During this global pandemic, we've actually, instead of tightening the belt in our devotion and relationship to God, we've actually allowed ourselves to drift and have distance. Statistically, they say one-third of Christians pre-COVID and now after COVID, one-third of Christians due to the pandemic have now admitted to 
no longer participating in a lifestyle or activity of Christianity. So a third of all Christians, because churches have closed or they haven't been able to go to the same thing, they're no longer worshiping, they're no longer praying, they're no longer reading their word, they're no longer fellowshipping with other believers. A third of our Christian army has taken off their armor. You understand what I'm saying? That's a huge problem. And then directly connected to the fact that one third has believed, one third has believed, you know what, it's okay, you're busy, God gets it. No, 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 one third Because the one-third have stepped away, statistically we're on pace to equal that, that one-third out of every church in America is on pace to close its doors by the end of the year. What's frustrating about that is I believe we are actually smack dab in the middle of the end-time harvest. Like never before we've needed a a godly army and body of Christ to go reap a harvest. And we've all said, "Eh, I I need some time, I need some space. I can't serve right now, I can't pray right now, I can't love right now can't show up to dudes and donuts right now. I can't come to Saturday morning prayer right now. That's for first service. I don't know why I said that in this one. But we, we distance and we push and we push. And I'm telling you, this is all coming from such a, a place of love. Are you, are you hearing me today? Yeah. And so we said we've pushed and pushed. Here's the huge disservice to this. Ed Stetzer is a church research uh, expert. He says this. Many of you have heard me say this before. The United States has far more church buildings than the number of McDonald's, Starbucks, and Dunkin' Donut stores combined, given the impression that there's a church facility on every corner and plenty of room for anyone who wants to take part. In reality, if the entire population of more than 300 million Americans wanted to go to an established church, including those that meet in storefronts, overheated city-on-a-hill buildings, rented school facilities, (laughs) and the like, half of them... Uh, if you're warm in here, it's your sin. It's, can, it's your conviction. I feel fine. I feel comfortable. But here's the stat. If every single type facility that is a church immediately started holding three weekend services, over half of America would be turned away and have no space of those that are unchurched and don't currently go to church. Putting it frankly, it's this. If everyone who doesn't go to church decided to go to church next Sunday, we'd have to turn away half of those people because we don't have space for them. What am I trying to say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And a global pandemic sets in and we all go, I need space. I need time. God understands. Are you with me today? Can I get somebody in the chat to say amen this morning? We've got to draw near in this time, not push aside. Uh, I thought about it like this. It's kind of like a church joke. Uh, we always kind of talk about this. Like, I remember when I first got saved, I was so on fire and I was always there and I never missed a meeting and I evangelized and I witnessed and I read my Bible front to back and I knew everything. And we talk about that. was the big, But now that I've walked with the Lord, so now that I've been saved, it's not quite like when I first got saved. How many of you have ever heard that or even would say that's your experience? In the beginning, so on fire, so after it. But God, the scripture says we go from glory to glory, faith to faith. Scripture says in Philippians, Paul's prayer for us is that we abound more and more the more we walk with God. And so the more we walk with God, the more we follow him, the more pandemic sets in, the more all of these things we face should actually cause us to hunker down and and zero in. Not step back and hold back and set back. God is calling us to be more in. Uh, There's a story of an old couple. Uh, an elderly couple, they begin to have this conversation, and the wife was remembering how when they were younger, they would ride together in their pickup truck, 
Uh, and so they had a pickup truck and the husband would be driving and the wife would sit right next to the husband in the truck. And uh, my wife is a stage five clinger and, uh, and she's a smotherer. And uh, the tombstone will say that about her life. <laughs> Jessica Reese, grade A smotherer. And that's wonderful. I'm not that much of that. And so I'm grateful in my pickup truck that there's a center council. Can I get in? <laughs> and she would sit on it if she could. And I would love that. Trust me, I would love it. But the law, honey, you just can't. I would love it, but I can't. The law. But there's this story about how, I don't know what I'm kicking. Oh, your, uh, your, uh, your lip syncing speaker just got knocked off, Daniel. Are we fighting? I don't know what I kicked, but something. The bucket. I'm going to kick the bucket. I don't want to get in a fight with Daniel. He's a bandit. Uh, so here's the story. They ride in these trucks together. And uh, so they're riding in the trucks together. And there's this one day as they get older, and the wife turns to the husband as they've gotten older, and she's now sitting off to the other side. And she says, honey, she says, you remember back in the day when I used to ride right next to you when we were young and we were in love and everything was so connected and passionate and I would be right by you. And she said, what, look, what's happened to us? I'm all the way over here, whatever's happened. He looks back at her and he says, honey, I haven't moved. And I wonder if we do the same thing to God, right? We say, oh, God, I remember in the beginning we were so close. We were so near and I could hear from you and experience you. And I remember the days where you used to speak to me and lead me and the words would jump out of the Bible for me. We were so, and God looked back at us and be like, I didn't move. I didn't allow distance. I wasn't the one who drifted. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen? But we've allowed all of these other things, the, the pandemics, the distractions, the achieving of life, all of these things have caused us to, to drift and to separate. I thought about it when you're at the beach, uh, you're playing in the water and you got your family right up there on the sand and there's the umbrella and there's the ham sandwiches and whatever you put in there. Nobody eats ham sandwich at the beach? Okay. It's not me either. <laughs> I'm a good peanut butter and jelly, the crunchy kind, you know, you get a, here's what I'm, I'm going to bless you today. Here's some good advice. Here's some good advice in the bad advice series. Put this in the chat, your favorite beach meal. Peanut butter and jelly, crunchy peanut butter. It can be grape, jelly, or strawberry tolerable, but here's what you got to do. Choose your chips, whatever you want. It's got to be something salty. So you got your chips, but here's the kicker. You ready? This is the kicker. This is what makes it over the top. A good, delicious, cold. You got to keep it cold, especially on the beach. Pickle. You got to finish that thing with a crunchy Clawson pickle. If you're really feeling the Lord at night, so it's a nighttime snack, peanut butter and jelly. Doritos, Cheez-Its, maybe. Milk and that pickle. Try it. Try it. Of all the things I've ever said to you. You know, it's funny. I'm wasting so much time, but I'm just having fun. You guys remember when I weighed like five more pounds last year? Everybody says, why is that so funny, by the way? Everybody say, oh, how'd you lose so much weight? You doing keto? What's keto? You know, <laughs> who's that? And so, and so, no, no, here's what happened. Global pandemic happened. 
And so that means no more sports got played. So that means at 1030 at night when it was the fourth quarter or the ninth inning or the end of all of these games, I'd be sitting down there in my recliner with what I just explained to you. <laughs> Eating a fourth meal of 2,000 calories. <clears throat> and they took my sports away. Now I don't eat my peanut butter and jelly. But can I tell you something? Michigan's coming back on Saturday. Can I get an amen? And you know what's coming back? Some peanut butter and jelly and some pickles and some 10 pounds are coming back. All right. I know you guys don't like having fun in church, but I like to every once in a while. So, so you're at the beach. That's where we were. And you're, and you're there and your family's right up in front of you. And you're playing and you're playing and there's your family in front of you and you're playing. And all of a sudden you'll be playing and you look up and your family's not in front of you anymore. And you're like, what, where'd the family go? And they're way over there. They didn't move. You drifted. The waves and the things and the stuff, you just got to playing and got distracted and started doing some things. And all of a sudden you came way off away from your family. And it's the same thing in our walk with God. If we don't position ourselves to be people who are in line and checking and making sure we're in line and lined up with God's word, the waves and the drifting are going to push us off center. Can I get an amen today? I believe God's not going to all of a sudden make us all have a drug problem or fall into alcohol abuse. And you've heard me give this a point before, but if he can just drift us, if the enemy can just drift us and distract us and push us to believe this lie and this thing and that, and we find ourselves way off. So it's bad advice. If you say, you know what, take a season, drift from God. And then you find yourself way, way off. I'm going to read you a parable, and then I got just a few points after that, so it won't be too long. But Matthew chapter 13, kind of a lot of reading. What I love about this parable here is a couple things. There's a warning in it, a promise in it, and all of us are in this. So you can't be like, oh, that doesn't really apply. No, you're going to find yourself as one of these people in the story. That's why it was given given to us this way. Matthew chapter 13 says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them the many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds ate it up. Some some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, And they withered because they had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times uh, that what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now he's given the explanation. This is where you're going to find yourself in the story. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, kingdom of God, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So the seed sown along the path is one that just doesn't understand, just isn't connecting, isn't in tune with what God is saying. So it gets stolen. Then it says the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes. Because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorn refers to somebody somebody who hears the word, but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Almost done. 
But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So the first person I want to tell you is this. You're going to find yourself as one of these people. The first person is the seed along the path, meaning this seed did not take root. It didn't land. It just was a miss. It's somebody who can come to church, be on their phone the whole time, not pay attention. The seed is cast to them, but it just does nothing. You know, you're sitting in here going like, I I walked out of here with nothing. Like, I just didn't get anything. He wasn't funny. He didn't make fun of his mother-in-law enough for me this week. Like, you're just... You're missing. You just keep missing what it's actually all about. We're, we're worshiping and we're talking. All of it is just a miss. It's just you're, you're not seeking understanding. So that's the one that falls along the path. The other one is the rocky ground, the rocky soil, meaning there was, there was rock in the soil. <laughs> and so there's some dirt on top of it, but really at its core, it's still rocky. It's not good ground. And so the seed would go down. And it would begin to grow and it would start, but whenever trials, tribulation, when real things begin to set in on it, it, the scripture says it burned up. The sun scorched it, killed it. So that would be the kind of person that comes to church and amen, amen, yes, amen. And they're singing and they're excitable and they're amen and they're saying all the things at the right time. They're, They're shallow. It's taking ground. It's getting in, but it's not going deep and changing. We're doing the amens, the yes, lords. We're, we're playing the game. We're going through the process. But it's actually not changing and rooting in who they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the scripture said as soon as any kind of challenge comes at that person, the hype Christian, any kind of challenge that comes in, they don't last. Then the scripture says there's the thorny person, which the scripture said was worried about the things of life. life. They were worried and there was deceitfulness in them. So they were worried and there was deceitfulness. I'm telling you, Facebook, in this time that we're living in, you've never seen a scripture apply to anyone more than it applies to this right now. We are in a season where many are either worrying or they're falling for the deceitfulness. The deceitfulness of world, the world or stories or agendas or the deceitfulness of people and they're just falling for it or They're being taken out because worry, worry, the thorns of worry are just snatching up what God's trying to do in their life and in their soil. Are you with me? So it's this, it's this warning of, Hey, you gotta get your soil. You gotta be right. So always available, always ready to receive seed. I'm saying for you, if we're talking about the bad advice is, Oh, you know what? You're busy. Don't worry about it. Just let yourself go. No farmer would ever let the soil just go. You're always working the ground. You're always caring for it. There is no season of let it go. Are you with me? Even in the winter seasons, there's actually something happening in that soil. Can I get an amen? So the last one is the one who hears and understands. Hears and understands they're good soil. You know, you can't fake good soil. The other thing about it is you've got to deal with the soil. Uh, the Peasley brothers here, they grew up on a farm. There's other people who grew up in a farm. They'll tell you, you have to deal what's in this, with what's in the soil. If there's big rocks that work their way up in the soil, you don't go around the rock. What do you do to the rock? You get the rock out of the soil. If trees or logs or anything that have worked their way up, what do you do? You deal with the soil. 
I'm talking if all of a sudden you've seen this, if there's puddling that begins to happen in a corner of a field, what do they do? The farmer brings in dirt and brings up that area. Why? Because you're always working your soil. And God's saying there's a promise for you no matter what your circumstance is. And the promise is a 30, 60, 100 fold return if you make sure your soil's right. But so many of us take care of our soil like this. Oh, this part of my life over here is good soil, but I'm going to leave a few rocks over there. I'm going to leave a few other things over here. I'm going to let it be the muddy, swampy side over here. I'm not going to deal with those sides. But God is saying, your soil's got to be, you can't fake good soil. You want 30, 60, 100 return? Get your soil right. Can I get an amen? The scripture actually promises, in their mind, this was an agricultural time. That's why he spoke in a parable about farming to them, is because they would have understood. Now, at this time, a good return for these farmers would have been eight to tenfold. So when Jesus says, hey, if you live your life in such a way and you follow my promises and my commands and, and, my, and, and my way of laws and principles, there's a 30, 60, 100 reform. They would have signed up in a heartbeat, get me in on a return like that. 30, 60, 100. It's silly to not participate in these kinds of promises is what they would have believed because they were used to a lesser return. And so they understood uh, that if you submitted and got on board with this, Basically, it means this. God would do more than you could ask, think, or ever imagine. If you keep your soil tender, God can do more than you would ask, ever think, or imagine. My brother, he's two years younger than me, and he lives in Grand Haven, and um, he needed to plant some seed. There was like just a a bad area of his yard. Uh, He lives on about 10 acres. And um, so he said, hey, would you come over and help me do this? And um, and so uh, I said, yeah, sure. My dad's got a tractor. And, um, and so it's got a rototiller on the back. And so I went over to dad's and picked up the tractor to go over to brother's. Now it's a real tractor. Some of you are going to know what I'm talking about. You guys have riding lawnmowers. I'm talking about a tractor. You have riding lawnmowers. Those are like, a real tractor is like a boom, 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 boom. Like you ought to be bouncing while you're riding on this tractor. Not because of bumps on the ground. It's just the anointing in the tractor has like a bounce. <laughs> If it's a real tractor, it would make you want to like go buy a revolver and keep it on your hip and drive this tractor. And so I'm, I'm over there. I'm being farmer guy. You guys don't think I'm a redneck, but I am. And so, so far we have a NASCAR analogy and now a planting seed tractor. So I'm just telling you the truth. I don't know where the pickle thing comes from, but anyway. So I go over to his house. And we got to plant about 50 yards, about a half a football field worth of new grass. And so we got to turn it over, rip out some things. And so we get it all turned over, and he wants to throw the grass seed over the top of it. And so we do that. We get it all thrown over. And we're standing out there looking at it, and we're thinking, oh, what should we do with it now? The seed is all laying on the top of the dirt. And we're like, you know, we start making excuses. We're like, we really know that we should cover this up. We should really bury this in. We should really properly plant this seed so that it's protected. But that's a lot more work, right? We already turned it all over. We already did all the seed. And so we're just like, uh, And so we're kind of making these excuses. Well, he's like, well, maybe if I just water it, I'll just water the heck out of it. And that seed will go into the dirt and then we'll be good. I mean, it'll probably come up. And I was like, I don't know, bro. That's a, he's like, well, look, maybe over here it's shaded, you know, it's shaded. And so it like won't get beat and it won't dry up. Maybe the wind will work it in over days. I'm like, oh, I don't know, bro. So we both come to the conclusion, like, I need to come back the next day and turn all this into the ground. Because it's foolish for us to just sort of hope and put excuses on, well, this might happen and this might happen and it will be blessed. Yeah. But we do it in our walk with God. We, we try some things, we do some things, and then we have this mindset of, well, maybe we hope, maybe we can, maybe it will, and maybe it'll be blessed. 
No, we got to do it right. We can't keep making excuses and pushing things off and putting things aside. We got to do it the way God has called us to. Can I get an amen? So we went back and we turned it all back over and then his kids played in it and wrecked it all. So I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says we must pay careful attention, care-filled attention, therefore to what we have heard so that we might not drift away. Is it possible, would it be said about your life and my life and all of our life, is it said about your life that you pay care-filled attention to your walk with God? Or is it on Saturday night, are we going to church or are we not going to church? Sunday morning, are we going or are we not going? What do you think? Should we, shouldn't we? Are we going to men's study? Are we going to prayer? I think you should predetermine at the beginning of the year how many Sundays you're going to miss. Not on Saturday night, not on Sunday morning. And I love online, and I'm so grateful for people that watch online, but we got to gather as believers. When it's safe and you're confident and God gives you the green light, we got to get together. Because if all we do is let ourselves drift and only live online and not make relationships, I believe online church is amazing. So grateful for its reach. But it's a supplement, not a substitute. Are you with me? To to being together and, and growing together. So pay careful attention, therefore, to what you've heard that you do not drift away. Revelation chapter 2 verse 3 says this, you have persevered and you have endured hardships in my name and you've not grown weary. Then he says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. In the beginning, we're so in and we're so in pursuit and we're so after it. And it's like the more we walk with God and the more we have knowledge and the more we, the more we just allow ourselves to separate from what God is doing in our communities. I actually have a frustration with Easter because every Easter, the once a month or the once a year church person comes back to church. And I have this really awkward front door conversation with some of these people. Hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you since last Easter. Because we only do this at Easter. And we have this relationship with God that's so distant and so drifted. And so like, oh, I better make sure at Easter, but I'm going to keep God this far. That only at Easter. And it's so unusual, isn't it? Go back to the first love. It's only, imagine it like this. Imagine if once a year I came to your birthday party. And I never talked to you, never connected with you all throughout the year. I had no relationship with you at all. But all of a sudden, for whatever reason, at your birthday, I show up to your house. And that whole time I'm there, I'm telling you how much I love you and care about you. And I missed you. And I've been thinking about you. You'd be like, what? I don't, I don't. And we do that as Christians. At Easter, we come in and we say, oh, God, I love you. I miss you. I'm so grateful for you. Or we even do it once a week. We come into church. Oh, God, you're worthy of it all. Except for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Okay. All right. All right. All right. (laughs) Matthew chapter seven, verse 21 through 23. It says this. No, this is the message version. So just this really different way of looking at it. Uh, And and all the other versions are great of this too. So, so deep study it. But Matthew chapter seven, verse 21 says this, knowing the correct password saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now at final judgment, thousands strutting up to me saying, Master, we preach the message. We bash the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everybody talking. 
and you do, and do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Just this fake facade. We're, we're doing projects in God's name, but we're not allowing ourselves to be good soil. We're not allowing ourselves to be changed and transformed and discipled. Can I get amen? amen. Into what God really wants for us. Talking about authentic, authentic relationship. I'll close with this. Uh, I would say it to you like this. Uh, many people, you know, kind of hear a sermon like this and we have conversations about walking with the Lord. And I hear this all the time. I hear people say, man, it'd be so much easier if Jesus was just here, right? Like if he, if Jesus was just here and we could go hear him teach or we could watch him stream on Facebook or something, if Jesus was just here, it'd be so much easier to follow him and walk with him. And uh, I would actually challenge you on that because most of the time Jesus actually spoke to people directly, it made more of a mess in their life. <laughs> and so I feel like if we actually had Jesus conversations in person, you might have a harder time with it than you think. But that's another day, another dollar. So Jesus, oh, I just wish Jesus was here. I just wish he could like just tell us all the things. And it would, I, it'd be easier to not drift, right? If Jesus was here, it'd be easier to show up for things if, if Jesus was here. But the scripture teaches us this incredible, incredible, like, just setup that God did in our lives. And it, and it works like this. Uh, you've heard me give this example before, that whenever somebody's going to tell you, like, the most important thing, they tell it to you last. So whether you're babysitting or house sitting or whatever, you're like, hey, here's the food, here's the thing, the dog goes out at this time. Hey, the kids, you know, they can have this snack, that snack. But right before you leave, like, but, but listen, here's the most important thing. Whatever you do, don't forget, boom, and you hit them with, like, the most important thing that you don't want them for, to forget. Well, this is Jesus in the scripture that I'm about to read. He's about to ascend to heaven, okay, and sit with his father and be seated in heaven. And he's like, look, I'm about to go. And before I go, you need to know this most important thing is this. It's good that I go because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, your helper, your advocate. When I was a kid, we used to have cheat code books with video games. You'd go to the grocery store, you'd buy this gaming book, and you'd go home and you'd put all the codes in on your video game, and then you were unstoppable. It was cheat codes. It was like you had the hack. Nobody could stop you. That's what the Holy Spirit is for us. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go be with my father and here on earth, you're going to do more. The scripture says you're going to do more than I've ever done, which is pretty amazing because he healed the sick, raised the dead. Are you talking? You don't understand what I'm saying? And so he says, listen, I'm sending you this helper. The scripture says the advocate. I'm going to read you a few translations here in a minute. And so when we go, oh, I'm drifting. I don't know if I can. I need a break during the pandemic. I need, what are you talking about? You've been given the cheat code. The scripture promises you that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. We already know at the end of the story, we win. Are you with me? So I don't know why we're like, I need a break. I need some space. I need, I don't know if God can't, what? You've been given the Holy Spirit, the helper, the God Trinity. The scripture says this, uh, John 16, seven is where we see this. He says, very, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Scripture says this, or the definition of advocate is this, someone who publicly recommends or supports. I want you to hear this. A part of the God Trinity, so the Godhead, the God, the Holy Spirit, is somebody who on your behalf is publicly recommending and supporting from heaven. 
right, he's with us, but I'm saying heaven on your behalf is publicly recommending and supporting, recommending and supporting what you're doing here on this earth. And we're like, I need, I don't know, I can't handle it, I can't take a step, I can't walk with God, I can't. The Holy Spirit is advocating, recommending and supporting, recommending and supporting on our behalfs for the kingdom, of course, not for our own behalf, but for the kingdom. I love the New Living Translation says this, but in fact, it's best for you that I go. It's best for us that we have the Holy Spirit. It's best for us because it's going to keep us near God. The Passion Translation says this, uh, but here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. The divine encourager. There's no reason for us to say, oh, I need some space. I need a break. I need to, oh, I can't let him till up this soil because I don't know. He's our divine encourager. He's going to get in there and he's going to make it better. And he's going to grow us 30, 60, 100 fold. Can I get an amen today? Because that's what he wants to do because he loves us, because he cares for us and he has the best for us. So the bad advice is, no, we're not going to drift. We're not going to step back. We're not going to hold back. Instead, we're going to lean in no matter what it looks like because we have help. Can I get an amen?